Picture a beautiful summer day in July with the gentle breezes in the tops of pine trees, the sound of birds and crickets, and the warm sun filtering through the green foliage. The day was Saturday, July 10th, 1971. The place was in the Adirondack Mountains of New York on the 13,000-acre estate of Crandall Melvin Sr., just outside of Newcomb, New York. Crandall was the great-uncle of Douglas Legg, son of Mr. and Mrs. William Legg. Douglas, who was the second of four children, had left a group of his cousins to take a walk with his uncle along the shore of Newcomb Lake. Douglas Legg was eight years old on a visit to the family-owned compound, the Santanoni Estate. He had followed his uncle on a hike around the property, but because he was wearing shorts, he was sent back to the camp to put on long pants because of the biting insects. It was only a half mile away, and the house could even be seen through the trees where he and his uncle stood. But what happened on that short walk back remains a mystery. Douglas was never seen again. The search for Douglas was the largest in New York State history. Hundreds of volunteers poured into the area to join the searchers. Search helicopters and military aircraft from Plattsburgh Air Force Base equipped with heat-detecting technology made runs over the area. A week into the search, the Legg family chartered an elite mountain rescue team from Sierra Madre, California. These 20 accomplished and professional searchers from California were not used to the swamps, bogs, and thick brush common in the Adirondacks. Lakes were dragged and swamps searched. An article in the Fort Covington, Sunday, July 29th of 1971, reported the following, quote, Hope is running out that eight-year-old Douglas Legg who has been lost in the woods near Newcomb, New York, south of Tupper Lake for the past 19 days, will be found alive. Yesterday, 75 state police and skilled woodsmen continued the search for the little lad. On some days, the number of volunteers joining in the search since his disappearance reached 600 people coming from all over to offer their help. Teams of searchers covered areas as far as 20 miles from the place where the boy was last seen, end quote. The search officially ended after six weeks of fruitless efforts. The group from California departed the area, disappointed in their failure to find the child. Legg's relatives, the Melvin family from Syracuse, sold the estate to the Nature Conservatory shortly after Legg's disappearance no longer wanting to be associated with the estate and the reminder of their tragedy. Through the years, there have been some reports of a skull found, bones found in a lake, a partial skeleton in a swamp, but all have been found to be non-human. Legg's uncle was even given a polygraph test that concluded he had no role in his nephew's disappearance. Thinking back on the search... Saranac Lake Village Manager Richard DePoy said, We tried everything. The Sierra Madre Search and Rescue Team from California said the brush was the thickest they had ever encountered. 
The forest was so dense and dark that the searchers used flashlights, even in the daylight hours. Kidnapping was suspected for a time, but state police discounted kidnapping. There was no explanation for the total disappearance of young Douglas, who was used to walking along the paths and trails in the area. Even at his young age, Douglas was considered an accomplished hiker and woodsman, experienced within that area. Dogs combed the area, but leads were few and far between. A famous bloodhound was brought in, and when the search was officially ended, the family of Douglas had four German shepherds with their handlers flown in from Seattle, Washington. By this time, however, the scent was long gone. Almost a year after the disappearance, the Adirondack Daily Enterprise reported, quote, The parents of Douglas Legg, one year after his disappearance, say they have distributed more than 2,000 posters and taken out ads in college newspapers seeking information about his whereabouts. End quote. Sometime after, the same newspaper disclosed that New York State designated a forest ranger to direct and coordinate all search and rescue missions in the forests and wilds of New York's Adirondack region. Over 20 years later, new leads prompted this article from the Adirondack Daily Enterprise. The article titled Police Pursue Leads on Leg Case would read as follows. Quote, State police say bones found in northern New York may be the biggest break they've had in years in their search for a boy who disappeared 22 years ago. About 14 bones were recovered during a search of an island in Newcomb Lake. An Albany anthropologist was scheduled to examine the remains. Investigations received a call from a Missouri hunter who said that he and a friend discovered bones on Newcomb Lake Island while hunting there in 1973. Newcomb Lake lies within the Santanoni Preserve. If the bones are not human, investigators plan to fly in the Missouri hunter to show them where he found the bones. It was found that the bones that have been examined have been determined to be those of animals. The disappearance of the young boy continues to be a mystery. End quote. Today, Camp Santanoni is considered the most magnificent and awe-inspiring of the Adirondack Great Camps. The Adirondack Great Camps were constructed by the wealthiest of Americans as a wilderness retreat with no luxury spared. They were vastly extravagant, intended for wilderness recreational pursuits and as a haven away from the city. Most were built on beautiful Adirondack waters. Today, about 10 remain. Camp Santanoni is the flagship of what remains of these estates built in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Camp Santanoni was envisioned and built for prominent Albany banker and businessman Robert C. Pruin. Pruin hired an architect and provided much input on how he wanted it made. Pruin's father was the first ambassador to Japan, and having spent several years in Japan as a child, he had an appreciation for Japanese culture and construction. Pruin desired the compound to exist in harmony within the landscape, 
spreading the estate throughout his acreage. Pruin purchased about 13,000 acres for his retreat. By 1893, the estate was primarily complete and consisted of three main areas. The main lodge was the focus, living and dining area for the owners including two bedrooms. Nearby and interconnected with roofs and porches were four additional sleeping cabins, a kitchen, and a service building. Nearby, a boathouse, ice house, and artist's studio rounded out the main complex wrapping around the southern end of Newcomb Lake. At Lake Harris, 4.7 miles from the main lodge was the gatehouse complex. The caretaker lived here with other staff and included the caretaker's home, staff living quarters, barns, wagon sheds, and other support buildings. Trailheads led to the main complex and the farm complex. The farm complex supplied all the food and produce for the estate. Four barns housed cattle, sheep, goats, pigs, and chickens. Kennels and a stone creamery were included in the other buildings at the farm. The Pruins enjoyed the estate and invited many guests to enjoy the wilderness setting with them. Teddy Roosevelt was one of those guests. After the Pruins passed away, their children inherited the property and eventually sold it to the Melvin family in 1953. The Melvins worked to maintain and preserve the property, but when grandson Douglas disappeared, they could no longer enjoy the estate. The Melvins sold their land holding to the Nature Conservancy, and in due time, they sold the property to New York State. For the next two decades, the estate languished. But by the 1900s, New York State developed a preservation plan for the estate, and the site is now designated a historic preserve. Open year-round, it is an opportunity to view and experience an Adirondack Great Camp. Access is by a five-mile gravel carriage road, which may be hiked or mountain-biked and can also be used for horseback riding. A limited number of primitive camping sites are also scattered throughout the area. Don't be fooled, though, by the accessibility of the estate and the recreational opportunities it affords. Upon the beginning of the trek, you are entering a wilderness area, and it requires preparation. Experience has taught that upon sunset, the gravel road becomes pitch black. The darkness sets in quickly and it becomes challenging to navigate even a gravel road through the wilderness. The disappearance of Douglas Legg remains a grim reminder of how harsh the wilds can be. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting installment of In the Wild. To hear more captivating stories of real life survival, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Stay prepared because you never know when you may find yourself in the wild.